0: All right, you got your camera, you got a bag, you ready to go? Jump on in, we're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award-winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years. For photographers, non-photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. Hey everyone, here we are. Welcome to my podcast. Today we're going to talk about what's in your camera bag. Actually, what's in my camera bag? You're probably all curious what is in my camera bag. So I'm going to share with you today what I would carry in my carry, what I do carry in my camera bag for a week long tour. One of my tours to Alaska, one of my tours to Vermont or main or any other week long photo excursion. So first of all, my favorite type of bag is a backpack style. And I have actually two types of backpacks I kind of alternate between. One is an actual camera backpack that's put out. Mine has a is made by Canon. And it's not just because it's made by Cam- Canon that I like it, but I like it because it has the padded inserts in the bag in the bottom half so you have spots for your lenses they're velcro so you can reconfigure them to fit your different sizes of lenses i've actually used it to carry two dslr bodies the larger ones but now with the new mirrorless cameras i could actually take probably two dslr large bodies i'll call them and a single mirrorless body and lenses for the whole system. It's all, I feel it's always good when I travel and what I have in my bag is two bodies, whether, again, that's two DSLR bodies, the older, larger style, or now that I have a mirrorless camera, which one of my cameras is the new Sony a6000. It's kind of the entry level a uh, mirrorless style it's much smaller much more lightweight doesn't take up as much space and it's great for street photography so you could also use my other backpack of choice is just a school backpack you can pick them up you know back to school time is perfect you know lots of stores the retailers like Ross, Michael's some of those stores, you're getting last year's model of uh, school backpack, but then you can pack it how you want, you know, you can, and it doesn't look so I'm a camera, I'm a photographer type bag. All right, so moving past the actual bag I use, I like the backpack. Like I said, easy to carry. You can slide under your seat if you're having to fly. But inside the bag, let's look inside now. So if I unzip my camera backpack Inside, I've got a Canon, and this one happens to be the Canon 60D, but I've also got a 7D that I also travel with sometimes. And I also have a Sony A6000, which is the mirrorless style, really small. It's great for when you're traveling with. People that maybe aren't super serious photographers, and you got to be fast and quick. And it's also inconspicuous. So again, if you like to grab those street scenes, people in action, little cafe scenes, very good for that. And it's excellent for night shots. But we'll get more in depth on that Sony in another episode, one of my other podcasts. Also in my backpack, my lenses. Lenses are important, probably more important than which body they go with at this point. So we'll start with one of my favorite landscape lenses is the Canon 10 to 18 millimeter. So this is a really wide angle lens. I love this for wide landscapes. So you can include the little barn, the rolling hill that's in front of it, the row of trees along the side, the cows, you can get such a beautiful large scenic landscape with these wide-angle lenses. They also work good for interiors because you can get in the picture more of the inside, like if you have a barn stand at the far edge, you can get the roof of the barn, you can get all the wood, the light coming through the wood panels, this is a favorite lens of mine when I go to New England is this 10 to 18 millimeter. And this one is got the autofocus and it's a stabilized lens. So this one to me was a really good investment. Again, the stabilization is helpful because there may be times when you don't have a lot of time to capture what you see, even in a landscape. There's times when I literally see like, oh my gosh, look at the sky, it's popping red right now. We need to pull over right now. And I'll pull the car over, everybody jumps out, you grab your lens and and the sky just changes instantly. So you just wanna, you don't have time maybe to set it up on the tripod. So that's why the stabilization factor helps again, get a better, sharper image. So this lens is really a great lens. And Tamron and Sigma also make comparable lenses, so you can also look for a third-party lens. And I'll actually include some review sites that I find helpful when you're comparing lenses. One of my other favorite landscape lenses that you'll find in my bag probably all the time is kind of a, a zoom, a 70-300. to This one covers, is the opposite. This is so... You see something far away and you want to zoom, pull it in, pull it in closer. So if you're standing on the hillside, instead of getting everything in the scene, the barn, the cows, the trees, now I can just, it compresses the composition. And now I might just get the barn with a little bit of the curve of the hillside and maybe one tree that's in the background. This is also, the Zoom lens is also good for events. Um, maybe in the fall you're going to a harvest festival and you're, you're a distance away and you see some kids or you see the tractor at the far side of the pumpkin patch with all the people in it. It's fun to include little things like that to add life to your images. And sometimes that Zoom is what you need to pull that in. Um, Recently, I took this 70 to 300 to the coast. The tall ships were coming along the ocean, but they pull their sails in the closer they get into the harbor. So I had to use this zoom because obviously I wasn't out in a boat so I could even, you know, even capture the picture of the boat in my lens. So this one happens to be the, let's take a look here. This is the Canon. Um, 70 to 300. It again has stabilization, which again, when you're hand holding, really helps control your, again, your steadiness. Is it going to be sharp? You want it to be as sharp as possible. So this is another lens in my bag. And usually what I keep on one camera at all times, especially when you're doing maybe a photo tour or you may have mixed situations, or again, you're traveling with others that aren't going to stop and take as much time. For instance, if I'm traveling with friends or companions where it's like, come on, we want to get to the next thing. We're not going to stand here and look at these trees all day. Then you want to have kind of what I call an all-in-one lens. This one happens to be the Tamron, and it is the 16 to 300 millimeter f 3.5. So this is a pretty fast all-in-one zoom lens, and again, this is going to get anything 16 millimeter, pretty good landscape wide-angle image, all the way to a 300 which again, you can zoom in on details, the little cupola in the barn that you see an owl sitting in. Uh, details, great for details, great for pulling in things that are farther away than you can physically move yourself to get to. There are times when you just can't get, walk to get that item in closer. So this works really well. And again, it's, it's a faster lens. That's what the F to 6.3 means is it'll it's fairly fast and can let in a lot of light because again when you have a zoom you'll have to change some of your settings to compensate for less light coming through the tube whereas with a prime lens which I do carry a 24 millimeter prime in my bag that one can be super fast because it's there's less there's less tube that the light is coming through to get to the shutter So that's kind of a a layman's explanation for how that works. Okay, so moving on in my bag, I mentioned I do keep a 24 millimeter, which is a great landscape lens. It's a fixed lens. So you're going to have to physically move your body if you're not liking the composition that you're seeing in your lens. But you're going to get a sharper image with a fixed lens because it's not... Again, with the zoom lens, there's mechanics It's just the mechanics. The more things the camera lens has to do turn and refocus there's opportunities then for it not being quite as in focus and it can a zoom lens can actually go out of focus and break. I've had a couple of zoom lenses where all of a sudden you notice it's not holding steady at a certain point in the zoom, and you're like wow it's not it's not focusing here. I have to twist it to say seventy millimeter." or 50 and that's the only place it's holding it it's kind of loosey-goosey that's when you need to take it in and get it repaired so 24 millimeter lens some people like to keep a 50 millimeter lens in their bag Um, a lot of times you'll hear the expression nifty 50. 50 millimeter canon lenses you can usually pick up for about probably 75 dollars i've even seen them for less on ebay they're just an inexpensive, great. A lot of them are, people refer to them as a portrait lens, so you can use it to to get nice portrait images um, if you like to shoot photograph people. I I you you know what? Any of these lenses, you're the you're the creative, you're the eyes. These are just tools. These are like crayons in your coloring kit. You know whether you want to use purple or you wanna use um, you know, scissors, or you wanna use a, you know, these are tools. These are tools to create what you want to get in your image, or how you wanna get your image. But these are good basics to have in your camera bag. And this will all fit, as I said, in a backpack. All right, moving on in my camera bag, it's always important to carry extra batteries, super important. And I find that even more so with the new mirrorless cameras and some of the smaller pocket point and shoot cameras. They really eat through the batteries. And something I've also discovered just through trial and error and speaking with fellow photographers is the um, name brand batteries. Say you've got a Sony camera, the Sony battery it's more expensive, but generally holds a charge longer. The third-party batteries, you see Wasabi and some of the off-brands on Amazon, which are really affordable and work just as well. They tend not to hold a charge as long, so something to keep in mind. But as a backup battery, perfectly works perfectly fine. Um, always carry an extra-charge battery when you're going out for a full day of photography. Next in my bag... So I would have two batteries per body, so that's four camera batteries, and most cameras I find the batteries only go with that particular model. Even in my camera DSLRs, the batteries that go with the 60D are not the same batteries that go for the 70. I don't know why they did that. I guess they make us buy more stuff. (laughs) It's kind of frustrating in a way, but that's just the way it is, so always double check because when you go away for a week yes there may be stores but when i'm traveling through vermont new hampshire these are small rural communities and you're not going to find a fully stocked camera store maybe for miles and miles so it's best that you bring everything that you may need and someone else that's traveling with you may not have the same camera and be able to help you out as far as batteries lenses usually you're interchangeable to a degree Next in my bag, I have a circular polarizer, which I find for landscapes and for fall photography. A polarizer is, it's just invaluable. What it does is a polarizer is kind of like sunglasses. Think of it as sunglasses. When you're driving on a sunny day and you look outside, the sunglasses Darken down what you're seeing so it's not, wow, it's so bright, and it also intensifies the color. The blue sky may be washed out when you don't have your sunglasses on, but when you put on the tinted polarized sunglasses, now it's a it's a deeper blue. The grass, especially in the springtime, I love it. The grass just is like woo, it's like super green. It's like Ireland green, it's just so intense green. The same thing happens in the fall with the red leaves the oranges the yellows so this is why a polarizer is just really great for landscapes the other thing i find is when you have i'll call them light sketchy clouds you can see them up there but they're kind of barely there the polarizer by slightly turning it as you're looking through your camera and playing turning it to the right or to the left you'll look at a cloud, choose a cloud if you can see any slight cloud, and you'll notice that it defines the cloud a bit more. So a polarizer, and they they have several, you will need to buy the one that fits your camera lens. They have like, this one's a 67 millimeter, so this may not fit every single lens in my bag, which again, that's kind of frustrating, but I do prefer the screw-ons versus there are square plates filters you can use but it then sometimes you're having to hold the the square glass or get a special holder again to put on the each lens to be able to use those Lee. Lee is a company that makes the square glass filters so choose which lens you may use the most And look for a circular polarizer, especially, like I said, if you enjoy doing landscape photography. The other type of filter I recommend is a split filter. And those I find work better in the size of the squares. Lee makes them and Koken makes them. And they're called a split filter, neutral density split filter filter. Um, Galen Rowell, who is a famous landscape photographer, you'll see a lot of his work in the Sierras, in Yosemite. He had a lot of published uh, landscape photos for many years. He kind of brought that split neutral density filter to everyone's attention. What that does is it works really well in situations where you have difficult what I call challenging light, let's be honest, you've got a dark foreground, let's say maybe a waterfall in a canyon, maybe it's early morning or late afternoon. And again, that waterfall and the rocks are kind of in shadow, kind of dark. And then above it, you've got a really bright sky. So you kind of need to balance that out. Or you're going to have to take multiple exposures is another way you can do it and then have a program afterwards, you know, after you take your photos, you know, there's programs in Photoshop where you can blend those images and where you would, you know, take an image of the sky and take an image of the bottom. But the split density filter allows you to darken, say, the upper half of the photograph. And then the bottom half of the filter, which is more clear, will keep your bottom area, it won't darken it anymore as such. So what it's doing is kind of balancing out this... extreme difference in lighting situation. So again, for landscapes, I find it is very helpful to have a split density filter, especially early mornings when the sky lights up and my foreground where my barn is and my trees hasn't lit up quite yet. Very helpful to have those. They're square, They'll fit into your bag. You can carry them in your pocket. And once you have your camera set up on your tripod, then you can hold it in front of the lens. And again, move. It has a little line. Some of them are have fuzzy line. So then you can shift it and line it up with, say, a horizon line, a hill, a tree line, something like that. So you're kind of hiding where that seam is, so to speak. Next in the bag, I would always carry something to clean your camera, like a lens, lens claws are really important. So clean your lenses each night because more than likely they may end up with fingerprints, smudges, again, things that you don't want to spend extra time on later cleaning up in Photoshop. You know, I like to capture what I get in camera as much as possible. I don't like to spend hours sitting at a desk. Some people do, And some people create beautiful, beautiful images. But today I'm just sharing what's in my particular camera bag. And so these are items that I tend, I want to just try to get the best image I can with the tools I have in my camera bag. So let's see, what have I left out? I do have a um, timer. And I also have some lens hoods. The lens hoods, are kind of like, again, a shade, like putting a hat on. Again, so when the sunlight is hitting directly, you, you're not going to get, you know, uh, spots or lens flare if you don't want them on your image. The other thing I find these lens hoods come in very handy, especially in misty fall weather, is if it's a light mist, again, it's keeping a little bit of the moisture off the front of your camera lens, you know, those little smudges and raindrops. So lens hood, again, is very helpful. And they, you have to get one per lens. They tend to not make these interchangeable, which, again, that's kind of frustrating. They have some that are flexible and flattened down like a pancake. And they also have the plastic ones that generally come with each lens when you purchase a lens, a brand new one. And you can usually flip them over and slide your lens in them so they don't take up your entire camera bag. And if you see me walking around, sometimes I end up wearing the thing. If, if your wrist is tiny, it becomes a bracelet. But <laughs> that's just a side note because sometimes I take the lens hood off and put it back on and, and that type of thing. So there's that. Lens caps, another thing that might be, you might want to pick up some extra lens caps because we often, the lens caps fall off and now you don't have something to protect your lens. The other type of filter I would highly recommend for each and every one of your lenses is a UV filter, which is essentially a zero filter, I'll call it. It essentially is just an additional piece of glass that's gonna screw onto the front of every single one of your lenses. The reason a filter is recommended is let's say it's kind of windy and you get your camera all set up and whoosh, the whole thing kind of tips over. The thing that might save your lens is one of these filters. It's a lot cheaper to replace a cracked or broken filter on the front of your lens Than scratching or damaging the actual glass of your lens. So very important, I feel, to put a zero filter on each and every one of your lenses before you even leave, before you even go out photographing. And then those will just, you know, they unscrew. And then any other filter that you want to use, you can either unscrew the zero or many times I just stack the next filter on top, like the you know, like um, the circular polarizer or one of the graduated filters. And a graduated filter, again, is just to maybe darken down the scene a little bit so it's not as super bright, add some intensity to what I'm photographing. So I think I've covered almost everything in my bag. I also have this little gadget that I like which is helpful to me it's put out by Hoodman I don't know if any if I've seen anyone else make one it kind of looks like a little director's eyepiece we'll call it but what it does is one end goes you can has a strap you can wear it around your neck which is what I like to do makes me feel like whew, I'm important here I'm <laughs> directing a scene or something But many of you like to use, like myself, I'm kind of old school because I started with a film camera, which wouldn't have an LCD back on it to show me what I'm photographing. You know, I would just have a lens, you know, a lens opening to look through. And that's where I'm used to doing most of my composition is through the eyepiece, the smallest little square on your camera. Some of the newer cameras actually don't even have that on them anymore which is kind of frustrating because on a bright sunny day an LCD screen you're not going to be able to very well see as you may have experienced with your cell phone when you're trying to take a cell phone picture you're kind of blindly holding it up and composing and it's like wow did did I did I cut off grandma's head because you can't really (laughs) you can't really see if you're used to looking through a you know a a uh, viewfinder. There, there's the word. I don't know. I'm getting all tongue-tied tonight. So, what the? Going back to the, my hoodman, my little gadget here. The hoodman one piece magnifies what's on the back of my LCD screen. So the one side is about the exact size of most standard LCD screen. So it's probably about two inches by. Mm, one and a half by two inches let's say so I can put that up to my eye and now I can see oh wow look at that I did get the red barn where I wanted it or oh no you know what that's not quite right I'm going to take another photograph and fix that or oh no it's too bright I need to you know let's, let's shoot let's just delete that picture and take five more again the beauty of a digital camera you can learn more quickly in the field what you're doing because you have an immediate results right there on the back of your screen so i think that let's see again you know me there's something tucked in the corner of the bag so let's see what it might be but i think i think i've covered it so please again if any of you have any questions or comments please go to my website or my email address my email address is april at aprilart.com. My website is fallphototrips.com. The second one is yourphototravelguide.com. Both places, you can send me a comment, ask some questions, ask me why I chose these items if I didn't explain it well tonight. Give me some feedback, maybe some places you'd like to see me go cover that I've traveled to ask me questions. Love to hear from you. Thanks again so much for joining me. This is April with Eyes for the Road. Have a good evening. Bye.